I'm reading this morning from the Gospel of Mark, beginning with Mark 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one. There was no one there except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Many of you know that uh, I grew up here in Utah and uh, uh, in Clearfield near Hill Air Force Base out there. And I spent many of my summers up in Camp Utaba, which is a wonderful place and uh, a special place for me. Uh, uh, when I was young, I used to I was at Clearfield Community Church, but I used to go to youth group and such up in Ogden, and uh, many of us were camp counselors together uh, at camp. And it was there that I met uh, one of my good friends, Rick Reese, who was the preacher's kid from uh, from Ogden there. And he and I started out really hating each other, but ended up being the best of friends. I was best man at his wedding, and uh, you know it went like that. Well, when we were in college, we decided to climb Ben Lomond Peak. It's a peak down in Ogden. And so we set up a day, we got up early and went out and we hiked. It took us almost eight hours to get up to the top. And our plan was to get up there just as the sun was going down. And then we were going to spend the night there. We had a little tent, two-person tent. And we were going to spend the night up on the peak and then come back down the next morning. So we, eight hours, hiking up. We got up there, sure enough, just, at the, just as the sun was beginning to set, we finally hit the, the top of the mountain, and it was glorious. You couldn't believe it. We sat up there and just watched the sun go down, and, uh, you know, two good friends talking about life, talking about God, talking about girls. <laughs> talking about things that that uh, are going on in life and this watching the the lights come up in the cities and just looking out over all that glory and anyway then we went and pinched pitched our tent and uh lit a fire and kind of enjoyed the evening 
and uh, went off to bed, and it was terrible. It was, you know, we couldn't find a level spot, so we were kind of sleeping on an angle. There were all these rocks. We couldn't find a nice flat spot, so I was sleeping on rocks. The wind was blowing like crazy up there, so, you know, it was uh, the, the tent was practically caving in. Finally, or probably around, you know, 4.30 in the morning, we got up and we built a fire and we sat there and just waited until the sun came up enough for us to see where we were going. And we didn't talk at that point. We were just sitting there waiting and waiting for everything to happen. And so when we finally, when the sun finally came up, we had binoculars. And I, so we located the camp, Camp Utaba. Ben Loman is right up over the, is the peak, right overlooking Camp Utaba. So we, we found the camp, one of the cabins, and we just made, we forget the trails, we just made a beeline down the mountain for Camp Utaba, cutting our way through. <laughs> and uh, it took us eight hours to get up there the day before. It took us two and a half hours to get down. Because <laughs> we had run out of water, too. I don't, know, I don't know who planned this trip, but we had run out of water. And, and uh, so it was, uh, it was a little rough. Um, the you know with the we had that glorious night but then it you know it kind of faded after a while and uh it was like that i tell this story a lot i find myself talking about this story a lot and i i've in preparing for this sermon i was thinking why do i tell that story so much cuz i've been up bigger mountains since then i've you know i've climbed other mountains that uh were harder and more impressive and and all of that I, and I think I, I think I tell this story because it was it was a rare moment, and it was uh, it was a rare moment of connection between two people. It was a rare moment of beauty out over the world. It was one of the first times I'd been I, I hiked a mountain, and it was just it was that you know it was a it was a feat that was hard won, and and it was just a rare moment. And in our faith journey, there are those rare moments, like the one being described in our story today that comes from Mark. A moment when Jesus seems to be the fulfillment of all of our hopes that we have for our life and all of the hopes that we have for this hurt and broken world. Mark packs this story with meaning for us as he tries to convey who Jesus is in this world we live in and perhaps even more importantly what jesus is all about in this story jesus takes three of his most trusted companions and they join him on the mountaintop once there jesus is described as transformed or transfigured into a glorified state before them jesus has completely changed into something glorious And he's attended to by Moses and Elijah, two figures that many scholars suggest represent the law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah, which is the sum of all of the hopes and the the scriptures of the Hebrew people, the law and the prophets. And so taking that view, Jesus then becomes the embodiment and the fulfillment of all the expectations that came to the Jewish people through the laws of and the prophets it should also be noted that up to that point the disciples in mark have seemed quite in the dark about who jesus is in fact they're i would 
compare them to the Keystone Cops, kind of bumbling around, tripping over one another, not ever really quite getting it straight, and having no idea who Jesus is. In Mark, the disciples don't figure out, don't really understand who Jesus is. In Mark, the religious leaders do not know who Jesus is. In Mark, the only people who know who Jesus is are demons and, uh, and the, the sick and the lame. The sick and the lame and the marginalized, they know who Jesus is. The demons seem to know who Jesus is. But the disciples, eh, I don't know, he's, he's a little strange. It's, he's a good guy, but we're trying to figure it all out. And in this story, they finally begin to catch on to part of it. And yet they still seem to miss the big picture. Peter, basking in the glow of Christ's glory, wishes to build three shrines and just stay there, away from the real world, away from all the troubles, away from fishing, and who can blame him for that, away from all of those things that, that just weigh so heavy on our lives. Here we are, just in the glow of the glorified and deified Christ in the presence of God, and he just wants to stay there and not leave and the answer to peter's request comes not from christ but from a voice from heaven reaffirming the things that were said at jesus's baptism out of the cloud comes the command this is my son in whom i am well pleased listen to him that's the command listen to him once they open their eyes and lift their heads up and all business Jesus, now returned to his poor carpenter look, says it's time to go. And they begin to head down the mountain, getting back to the real world. And because they're a little clueless, Jesus says, you know what, don't tell anybody about this because you're going to mess it up. <laughs> so don't tell anyone about this. You're not ready to really fully comprehend what's going on. You know, we too find ourselves faced with the reality of what Jesus calls us to, how it is not to live on the mountaintop. We find ourselves faced with this reality. But that it, we are to be about the work of God in the real world, unfortunately. In the context of Mark, Jesus invites Peter, James, and John to join Jesus in returning to a world that will reject them, that will kill them, and yet they are still called to be there. G Peter, James, and John literally are told by, Mark, uh, by Jesus in Mark to take up their cross and follow Him. And for you and me, that means spiritually following Jesus. But for the followers of Jesus, when Mark is writing this, it means follow Jesus in the cross. Follow Jesus to death and new life and resurrection. But it costs them that, I mean, you know, Peter, James, and John were killed for their faith and jesus was killed for the message he brought to the real world so it's a serious thing they're being asked to do and yet that's where they are called to be it is where we are called to be i've experienced many mountaintop experiences in my life moments when i am taken to a place where heaven and earth seem to meet a point in time where the sacred breaks through the profane. 
those thin places, as some theologians have called it, where God outshines the harshness of life. These are important moments, and in fact, I go out looking for them. I long for them and try and make space for them. But maybe even more to the point, God brings them to me right when I need them. And we can't hope to make it through this life in faith without them. Yet our urge to stay there, to build shrines, and to hold everything to ourselves, never returning to the real world, will not accomplish what Jesus came to accomplish. Those moments are what give us the strength and the perspective But we are given strength and perspective in order to continue what Christ began in us. That good work that will continue in us. And it's too easy sometimes to give in to our desire to hold the sacred to ourselves like Peter, James, and John. But Christ urges us to move on lest the glow diminish over time. Like my, like my night on the mountaintop when the beauty of the sunset turned to just cold <laughs> and no fun anymore. <laughs> until the work is complete, until the kingdom of God is realized, until all that Jesus aspired to and calls us to is accomplished, the glory of God is unsustainable. They are merely moments until the work is done. You know, it's like this church. It would be easy enough for us to just say, you know, this is a nice size. This is a nice manageable size church. Things are, things are good the way we are. You know, my family's here. Your family's here. We've, we've, you know, we've got what Jesus wants for us here. It'd be easy to just keep this sacred community to ourselves. And in fact, maybe that's sometimes appealing But we are called to reach lives. We are called to be a sacred space for people who need to be nurtured, supported, and challenged to grow. I don't want us to be just about the numbers, but I hope we grow. I hope more people, many, many, many more people, find their way here and experience the transformation that Christ brings through worshiping in community that is loving and accepting. Because we have something that I think speaks to the heart of Salt Lake City in a way that no other church does. And it doesn't mean that I think we're the best. Well, I do think we're the best church. But it's not that I mean we're better than everybody else. What I simply mean is I think we bring something unique to this city and something that this city needs. Of course we want to grow. Of course we want more people to find our way here. It's not because we want to see more numbers and we're not attracting people to pay our bills. We want to see Christ transform lives and more people experiences, experience those thin places where heaven and earth meet. I guess what I'm getting at is that it is not time for us to rest on our laurels. It is not time to just sit back and bask in the glow. It is not time to hide Christ away on some mountaintop. It's time to come down off the mountaintop 
and as Christ did, go to the towns and the cities, or in our case, to the neighborhoods around us and invite them to experience the good news that Christ came to give us. It's time to come down off the mountaintop and let people know that they can reclaim their faith on terms that does not feel like they're giving away their ability to think critically. It's time to come down off the mountaintop and begin to live into the kingdom of God by doing our part to contribute to the good in the world and to stand against the bad in the world. Not to convert people, but to do good for the sake of doing good because this world needs some good doers. Amen? It's time to come down off the mountaintop and love in a way that transcends all the ways in which we divide one another. To love people in ways that redeem the church for people who have been sent to the margins or have been wounded by the church. Amen? It's time to come down off the mountaintop and begin to work on God-sized visions for what this church can be and what this city can be and what this world can be. It's time to come down off the mountaintop and to take some risks. For Peter, James, and John, it was risking their life. For us, it's risking our comfort. It's risking our control. Or is it risking falling on our butts and having to say, well, you know, that didn't work out the way we had hoped. But we are not given a spirit of timidity, but one of boldness. And there are no failures in this work we are called to do, only learning experiences. So it's time to take some risks and fall on our butts a couple of times. And then say, you know what, we're going to try something else. <laughs> so don't get too comfortable on that mountaintop. Because eventually Jesus will call you back down. But with a promise. That when you need it, the mountaintop will be there. When we need to be reminded of the glory of God that we are working for, it will come. When we need new strength, new life, new transformations, new glory, it will come. When we need hope and strength and courage to face the day, it will come. If we are faithful, we will get there by and by. This church will indeed become a beacon on a hill that leads to new transformations, new life acceptance and joy and a peace that can only come from God. And when we need the strength, God will provide it. and We will get there. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank You for those moments when we are called to the top of the mountain. We experience You and we know that You are real. We long for those moments when You feel so close and when You seem so glorified. We count on those to give us the strength to face a world that struggles. A world that's in need of hope. A world that is full of problems. And as we face our calling to be a light in the darkness, to be salt, we invite You to bring us those moments on the mountaintop not wanting to linger there, not wanting to shirk our duty, not longing to hold this glory to ourselves, but to get the strength to go back down the mountain and share what we have 
with a hurt and broken world. We invite you to be at work in our lives, both as Christ, the glorified being on the mountaintop, and as Jesus, that man who fought hard for the kingdom of God.